We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rotowire NFL DFS podcast sponsored by FanDuel. It is uh, week 12. I am Scott Jensted, back from out of town last week. Thanks to Derek Van Riper for filling in for me uh, very well. Uh, he has a better voice than me, but I'll have to just get over that. Uh, joined again today by uh, by Vlad Sedler. Vlad, uh, how are you? I'm good. Uh, we're, we're running this one a little early, a day earlier than usual. We've got uh, a very special week. Uh, I know yourself and uh, everybody listening is usually pretty excited about these uh, Thanksgiving games. And I think it's uh, usually one of the biggest highlights of uh, of Thanksgiving Day. Uh, uh, an interesting team we're going to have in the mix here, the Chargers this week. So it uh, should be fun to watch these games. I'm pretty excited for them. Yeah, we won't we won't hit too much on the Thanksgiving slate. We'll we'll touch on it really quickly. Uh, you know, a lot of people will be listening to this podcast on Thursday or Friday, so we don't want to uh, go too deep into that one. We'll hit mostly on the Sunday slate, but we will we will get some of that Thursday slate a little bit. Um, wanted to uh, recap last week a little bit. You know, the biggest the biggest thing I'm taking from uh, the last few weeks in DFS is how difficult it is to find running backs. You know, uh, D- David Johnson and Ezekiel Elliott are now gone. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is, you know, w- under four yards per carry, which is super rare for him. Uh, Kareem Hunt hasn't scored in five or six weeks. Uh, it's tough right now, unless you're playing Saints running backs, who both of them go off every week. It, I'm having trouble finding good running backs th- this season. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much what it is. You just uh, you plug in a saint, and usually you're you're in good hands. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, it's it's especially interesting because you know Kareem Hunt. I mean, 
you know, it's you know what's what's uh, what's redoing there with him. It's just really sort of unfortunate, um, not using him properly. Uh, you know, he looks good breaking tackles, but uh, you know, no t- no touchdowns since week three, no hundred yard game since week five, and uh, you know, almost have to you know run it from the distance. Hunt does uh, because the Chiefs are just so efficient with their pass catchers in the red zone and aren't really setting him up for goal line opportunities. And uh, you know, as a matter of fact, Hunt has just five touches inside the ten yard line over the last nine weeks. I mean. He's a dynamic guy. I feel like those touchdowns are coming, but uh, but yeah, it's it's been pretty wild. Yeah, I, th- I watched a bunch of their game last week, and I thought he looked good. I just didn't think he had many spots to run. The Giants, uh, Giants D kind of uh, played pretty well. You know, they didn't really uh, worry about Alex Smith throwing the ball in the wind. Um, you know, one of those things that Alex Smith's arm is not uh, not the type to to pierce the ball through the wind. So I think the Giants kind of sold out for a run. It worked pretty well, but. If you're drafting in a team right now, a season long, where where does Alvin Kamara go? Is he is he a first rounder? He's got to be right. Yeah, I mean, it's borderline first round at this point, um, especially since uh, so many leagues are PPR and the one that we usually play, our high stakes league, NFFC, um, you know, definitely if he's continuing what he's doing, uh, he should be, you know, even back in the same situation next year with Ingram. He's going to be one of those guys that uh, probably is going to be taken somewhere around the you know, end of the first round, early second round turn. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for me uh, right now, if I'm drafting, I probably am going to go with uh, with. Uh, Todd Gurley for me. I mean, you know, he's the only running back currently averaging more than 20 PPR points so far this year. Um, you know, Le'Veon Bell is just, you know, hasn't looked the same all year. He's averaging under four yards a carry this season after averaging 4.9 over the last two years. Uh, his timing just seems off and defenses seem to be kind of keying in on that, you know, little special hesitation stutter step he has. Um, so honestly, really the only thing keeping him relevant right now is that volume and also the receptions that he's getting. Yeah, I mean that that volume is enormous. They just they just feed him over and over, which uh, kind of saves him from a fantasy angle at least. But yeah, been really inefficient from a from a real world NFL stance. But it's it's been a strange uh, running back season. You know, a lot of that is David Johnson, the, the obviously the number one player in fantasy being gone. But um, moving on to the the Thursday slate, we've got. Uh, the Vikings at the Lions. Uh, we've got the Chargers at the traditional Cowboys uh, game on Thanksgiving. Then we have an NFC East matchup late at night. The Giants at Washington. Uh, real quick, uh, anything you really like? Any games you really want to target on this slate? Uh, how about a sleeper and how about a fade overall too? Man, uh, you know what? I wa- I really liked Kenny Galladay. You know, we, we talked about him last week and I brought him up as one of my sneaky plays. Um, and actually uh, ended up playing him on a lineup last week. Only ended up with two catches for 52 yards. Did not get in the end zone. But I think he's going to get more usage going forward. But um, honestly, before we went on uh, onto the podcast, and I didn't actually look it up myself, but I thought I read something that Kenny Galladay isn't actually on the Thanksgiving slate. So I don't know if that's true. But if so, that's just wild. So um, we'll see. Uh, if he is on the slate, obviously somebody in consideration for me. Um, like, you know, like, somebody, wasn't like, wasn't listed on the slate, like wasn't listed in the possibility. Yeah. I huh. mean, I, I, I'm hoping I read it wrong and I'm hoping he's available. I mean, that would be pretty wild, but, um, but yeah, I mean the one guy I'm sort of looking at, it, it really all depends on, um, Orleans Darkwood situation because he isn't a hundred percent. He got right. banged up on Sunday dealing with a hamstring injury, uh, says he'll be fine, but we have to see him, uh, you know, practice on Wednesday, obviously. Uh, and, you know, the matchup against Redskins Rundy isn't ideal, but, you know, Wayne Gallman, the rookie back who actually stepped up before Dark was sort of became a thing and got in back into the picture after essentially, you know, Paul Perkins was discarded as an option. Wayne Gallman is somebody that I'm potentially looking at. Um, 
you know, I haven't really thought about a fade to be honest. Um, but the other guy sort of under the radar that I'm interested in is Rod Smith, the rookie running back uh, for the Cowboys who looked good. Um, I think, you know, Alfred Morris coming off that big game. A lot of people are going to be into Morris. Rod Smith is coming off of, uh, you know, eight carries for only 11 yards on Sunday night against the Eagles. I personally think you'll have a bit more running room this Thursday against the Chargers, who are clearly the easiest among this these six teams on the slate uh, to run against. Yeah, just to just to cover our bases, Kenny Galladay is fifty eight hundred listed as wide receiver for the Thursday slate, so he is on there. Uh, okay, so so fake news on Twitter is what you're telling. <laughs> yeah, um, the guy that I really like uh, that I'm going to have on all my rosters is uh, is Josh Doxson from the Redskins. I really like how they're using him. I like the way this game sets up for him. They're throwing him a lot of deep balls, and he hasn't really connected on many of them yet, so he's not uh, not going to be a hugely high-percentage guy. But I really like how they're using him. He's going to hit a couple of these deep balls. They're really targeting him deep. Um, he's he's probably uh, he's probably my favorite play on the Thursday slate. Um, I also like Stephon Diggs. You know, I, I I liked him last week, and he really struggled, and Thielen went off. Um, I think that Diggs finds a way to get it done this week. It'll be interesting to see what Detroit does and who Darius Slay covers. You know, Diggs kind of lines up all over. Adam Thielen does too, but Thielen's been killing teams. I wonder if Detroit's gonna gonna try and shut Thielen down based on how good he's been this season. Yeah, it's absolutely possible, and obviously Thielen plays a lot out of the slot where Darius Slade doesn't travel much. Uh, but it, it's an absolute possibility. I'll def- it's definitely something. I want to be able to get a grasp on before I set my lineups for Thursday. Last uh, last question for you on Thursday. What the heck are you doing with the, with the Dallas offense? Uh, you know, since Tyron Smith, he's questionable, and Ezekiel Elliott have not been playing. That, that offense has really fallen apart. Dak Prescott struggled the last two weeks. Um, are you coming back aboard with Dak this week? Uh, what do you do with them? You know, you got Bosa and Melvin Ingram going to be rushing him like crazy, especially if Tyron Smith doesn't play. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what to do with Dak in some season-long leagues, and I don't know what to do with him in DFS this week either. Yeah, I think so much really does depend on Tyron Smith. I mean, we've seen uh, you know that offense struggle over the last two weeks, like you've mentioned. Uh, but for some reason, I, I sort of see this one being uh, the highest scoring game on the day. And so definitely going to want to have some exposure, whether it's getting sneaky with Rod Smith, whether it's my uh, my annual Thanksgiving usage of Des Bryant, who, uh, <laughs> as you mentioned on Twitter today, oh. does not have a 100-yard game this season. As a matter of fact, he doesn't have one since week 10 of last year. And so, uh, you know, obviously never a good matchup, uh, especially if he's going to be covered by Casey Hayward, but he's going to go a little bit under the radar. Um, you know, I, I, I've won a lot of money on Thanksgivings with Des Bryant in previous years. Uh, just a good memory for me. I may just nostalgically go back to that this week. Yeah, I mean, he's struggling one game over 75, 75 yards all year, but, you know, he still gets a ton of targets. They throw the ball to him a lot. They target him a lot. So you got to think, if they can just get a couple red zone ops where they throw him the ball, he's got a chance, but he's been so bad lately. Uh, I wonder if uh, I think I like that game as high scoring too. Um, I think in that game I like Hunter Henry as a little a little sneaky tight end play because everybody's going to have Evan Ingram or Vernon Davis in the night game. I think Hunter Henry's kind of my play away from those guys from the night in the night game. Yeah, I mean, pretty much the only thing that I like better uh, uh, than Dez on Thanksgiving is stuffing. So. <laughs> All right, well, at. let's uh, let's move on to the Monday or the, the Sunday slate. Um, you know, if anybody's listening on Thursday and Friday, I don't want to get too much into Thanksgiving and have those games be over. Um, starting with the 10 a.m. games, uh, we've got the, uh, the the hapless and winless Cleveland Browns moving to Cincinnati. Cincinnati fared by eight, an extremely low over-under of 38 in this game. Is there anybody on the Cleveland side that you're thinking about playing this week? Oh, man, not really, to be honest. I think Corey Coleman is the only guy that um, I would actually consider. Uh, Josh Gordon is back at practice this week, which is exciting, uh, but they're not going to deploy him right away. He's not eligible to return until 
the following week, which I believe uh, is December 3rd. Um, you know, either way, something to watch. It'll be interesting for them to have that weapon back. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Crowell simply looks awful. And, you know, this is a tough run defense. So no interest in, in, in Crowell here. Uh, probably going to sit him in my season longs as well, where uh, I unfortunately had grabbed a couple of shares in the fifth round. Duke Johnson dealing with a shoulder ailment uh, of the game last week. Uh, I guess he's, he'd be in the discussion if he's good to go. Uh, but honestly, it's just Corey Coleman for me. I'm interested in him after seeing 11 targets last week. Uh, but in this matchup, I guess much more of a sort of a garbage time GPP Hail Mary play. Yeah, I like Coleman, too. He was a guy that I, I liked to come in a draft season a lot. You know, not only 11 targets, but he did have 80 yards against a really good Jacksonville defense and a game that wasn't garbage time. You know, that game was close pretty much the whole way. Jacksonville got the late TD to uh, to make it look a little bigger than it was, but should be a good game script. You know, they're an eight-point underdog, uh, but since he hasn't given up uh, 70 yards or more to a wide receiver since week three, so they've been playing well on defense, but under 6,000, Corey Coleman, like you said, kind of a GPP guy for me, too. Um, what about on the Bengals side? You know, the over-under is really low at 38, but got to like teams going against this Cleveland defense, um, at least throwing the ball. Their run D is pretty darn good. But uh, who do you like from the Bengals? I mean, you would think that it's the uh, the Bengals biannual beatdown of the Browns coming up. I mean, <laughs> the line feels a little low in this one. It was at eight to open, moved up to eight and a half last I looked. Um, and obviously Browns are pretty awful. I mean, the, the Bengals are pretty awful themselves on offense, but, uh, you know, the, the they have beaten the Browns by an average of 22.5 points in six of their last seven meetings. Oof. And actually the Bengals won that other meeting. And so I'm thinking this line starts to uh, to move up a little bit towards the 10 mark. Uh, I did uh, drop that little note on the old Twitter.com the other day. But uh, yeah, the, since, since he's passing offense is really the only way I'd consider attacking this game. And even then, I'm probably not too confident with the way the offensive line has been playing this year. Uh, I guess AJ Green would be my main target. He's found the end zone in three of his last four games this season and in three of his last four against the Browns dating back to 2015. Um, you know, Croft is interesting. He injured his hand in week 11, should probably be back to the, for this game. Uh, Browns have allowed eight t- t- touchdowns to opposing tight ends, which is second behind the Giants. And Croft did post a six for uh, six uh, six uh, catches, 68 yards, and one touchdown line against them earlier this year. So uh, I think he's in play if he's healthy. Yeah, I've been really disappointed by uh, the Bengals rookie running back, Joe Mixon. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, when he came into the, in the year, I thought that he, he might share carries with Bernard and, and uh, Jeremy Hill, but I thought that he would make explosive plays and just hasn't happened at all. He hasn't topped 62 rushing games in a, in a game all year. His only one really big play was that one, uh, that week seven play against Andy where he caught a long pass and almost scored, but... Cleveland's top three in defensive DOA, DVOA against the run. I just, I've been really disappointed with my mix. someone I really liked coming into the year, at least on the football field, not off the football field, obviously. But, you know, got 20 carries last week against Denver, but only 49 yards. He just hasn't been good, even when he's gotten the volume. And I just didn't see that coming. Yeah. And I mean, like you mentioned, not only are they a top three run defense DVOA, these Cleveland Browns, uh, but they're also allowing a league low 3.1 yards per carry. Uh, so just really, you know, for me to use Mixon, it, he's, it really has to be an absolutely beautiful spot, uh, you know, in either, you know, even way, even, either way uh, with pos- possible positive game flow. Um, I mean, last week or the last time he played them uh, in week four when the Bengals played the Browns, he manages 29 yards on 17 carries. And so um, I just really don't see much opportunity here for him. Yeah, and I, I like A.J. Green. He scored, you know, like you said, three times the last four weeks. And that one week he didn't score was when he got ejected in. I just think at 8,300, there's other receivers as we go down the list I'm going to like more. So I think I'm going to be pretty uh, 
pretty much away from this game. I think Corey Coleman's probably my favorite play. Um, I do like the Cincinnati defense under 5,000 on FanDuel at 4,900. They have seven sacks the last couple weeks, forced tur- four turnovers the last two weeks also. You know, Sean Kaiser's obviously a mess with the turnovers. Um, they had five turnovers last week against Jacksonville. He's just primed for that. In a game where Cincinnati's at home and their favorite, you got to like their defense in this matchup. Uh, no, absolutely. Uh, Chicago, Philadelphia, next up on our on our on our docket here. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. You, it, another game with uh, with a big favorite. I've noticed a lot a lot of games this week. We have good teams playing bad teams. A lot of big favorites. So there's gonna be a lot of uh, a lot of game script and game flow talk. Uh, you know, in DFS this week, I think it's gonna be. Who's gonna Who's gonna be able to figure out how these games are gonna go? Is be pretty big. Um, Chicago, you know, you got Jordan Howard at seventy five hundred. Bad game script though, as a thirteen and a half point dog to the Eagles. Uh, he looked great last week. Fifteen carries for a buck twenty five against the Lions. I just think it's a tough matchup this week against Philly. Tough matchup plus the game script. I think at seventy five hundred, I'll probably gonna go elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, folks could give him a bit of consideration as a sort of a contrarian play uh, because he has been running like a beast. But uh, yeah, I mean, the the Bears are. Uh, you know, the Eagles are favored by nearly two touchdowns in this one. And, uh, you know, he just doesn't get involved much as a pass catcher, doesn't give you those extra points. Um, not really looking at any Bears this week. Um, not really a lot to love. Uh, Dontrell Inman has actually stepped in right away as the Bears' best receiver, and he does have nine catches on 13 targets in his first two games as a Bear. Uh, I'd actually be interested in him in this spot a little bit with, you know, how it seems that Trubisky seems to like him. Yeah, don't uh, don't don't no, point out Dontrell Inman without taking some props for that. You mentioned him two weeks ago before anybody else did, and that was a really good call. He's 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 been their best receiver the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, really rapidly. Yeah, I mean, uh, what can I say? I, I watched my Chargers. He was just sort of the the odd man out, uh, you know, down there when they were in San Diego. Uh, stepped up a little bit when Keenan Allen was uh, was injured uh, the previous year, so it's nice to see him get an opportunity. On the other side of the ball, we have the Eagles. Um, obviously, they are rolling right now. They killed the Cowboys last week, especially in the second half. Carson Wentz, 8,900, probably the MVP of the league right now. Um, I love this dude. I love watching him play. He's just fun to watch. Um, game script could be a bit of an issue this week. You know, he has done pretty well against some bad teams, but 14-point favorite. If they get up, you got to think they're going to be handing the ball off a lot the second half. They have a lot of running backs there. Um, you know, multiple TD passes in the last six weeks. He's on fire right now. The yards are down a little bit, but it's kind of in blowout uh, situations. Um, I think it's just all comes down to how you think this game goes. If you think Chicago can hang in there at all, I love Wentz, but I just don't see them. Uh, I don't see them hanging in this game at all. Yeah, I think in general, uh, I'm, I'm probably going to be light on Eagles a little bit this week. I mean, Wentz is in play each and every week, uh, but unless you think the Browns can actually make a game out of this one, we're probably going to see a, another uh, mediocre yardage total uh, at a very expensive price for Wentz at 8,900, second behind only Tom Brady this week. Uh, you know, of course, positive game script may not stop him from throwing his, you know, his typical two TDs, which he's done in six straight. Uh, you know, but for the most part, I think for the price, I think there are other people that I would consider cheaper than that. Um, Ertz is the pass catcher I'd be most interested in here, the tight end. Uh, coming off his first game under 10 Fanduel points, you knew it would happen eventually. It happened in week 11. Um, you know, besides that, really, I mean, Aguilar's, Nelson Aguilar's simply somebody that I never play. Uh, and then there's Alshon Jeffrey, who... Coming on. All, yeah, I mean, could, could it, of course, explode on a big play at any given time. Uh, Bears defense has been great at limiting wide receivers. Uh, as we mentioned last week, seems to always be the case. You know, Antonio Brown was the last one to top 100 yards against them. Um, that said, it is a revenge game for Alshon Jeffrey. And so <laughs> I think he might come out hot for this one. 
Yeah, so what do you do with the, I mean, the Eagles running backs? They kind of feel like a New England situation in the backfield right now. They've got Jay Ajayi, they have Corey Clement, they have LeGarrette Blount, kind of all shifting around, sharing carries. It's hard to predict who's going to hit the big one, who's going to score the touchdowns. I think for right now, unless one of them gets hurt, I'm kind of staying away from the Eagles' backfield in DFS. Absolutely. Full fade for me. I mean, even uh, Ken, Kenjin Barner uh, scored a touchdown early in that last game and uh, sort of trolled everybody there, especially those of us that had played Ajayi. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, for the most part, it's a full stay away. Uh, all I'd like to say is that I would like to see Wendell Smallwood, uh, make it onto a team somewhere. Cause I think he's an all right back. So one note on this, you mentioned a guy, Nelson Aguilar. I actually really like Nelson Aguilar this week. I like him as a bounce back play. Um, he really struggled last week. He had one catch from minus two yards, but did have five targets. And I like the way they use him. They looked down the field to him. He had a, he had a pass in the end zone that uh, was a little bit short. That should have been a touchdown, but Wentz actually underthrew it. Then he had another another deep ball down the sideline. They just missed. Um, I like the fact that uh, no one's going to have him this week. As uh, he's under six thousand, he's fifty nine hundred. I think with Alshon having four touchdowns the last three weeks, a lot of attention is going to go to his side of the field. I think Aguilar hits a big one this week. Uh, I think he scores and uh, on a long touchdown. I like him at fifty nine hundred. One of my favorite plays under six thousand, kind of out of nowhere and low percentage this week. All right. I won't be playing him, so uh, it, I, I want to see him on your lineup with a screenshot at the top of a, of a GPP. This there week. there you sweet. go. I like that. I, I think he's a really nice GPP play. I wouldn't play him a cash lineup, of course, but as a GPP guy, under 6,000 helps you get some other guys in. Um, I think he could be really valuable this week. Next up on the slate, Miami at New England. This is a monster spread. Last I looked, it was 16 and a half. Uh, New England favored at home. Um, you know, some, some interesting things like, what do you do here with, uh, with, with somebody like Tom Brady, who's 9,100, um, you know, I mean, is this a situation where they're going to continue to, you know, to pass in the second half if they're up by two touchdowns? You know, most teams, I would say no, but with the, with the Patriots, they, they don't really have a, uh, they don't really have a not run up the spread or run, run the score button on the, in their, uh, in their game plan. They'd love to run it up. Uh, Brady has 22 touchdowns and two interceptions, just incredible considering the guy's 40 years old. Three touchdowns each of the past two weeks. You know, game script could hurt him. There's no doubt about that. But they tend to throw the ball anyway. Um, you know, teams have been good against Miami. Ryan Fitzpatrick was 275-2 and two against them last week. Cam Newton had four touchdowns before that. Derek Carr had 300 yards before that. So the matchup's great. Brady's great. His uh, his, his offense is great. It's just a matter of what you think happens in the second half, uh, if, whether you play Brady or not. Yeah, and I think with this team, as always, very hard to figure out where these fantasy points are going to come from. I mean, you know, James White is probably the guy we can sort of gloss over since he seems to be the forgotten man there himself. I mean, he's seeing a snap his snap count diminish since Rex Burkhead got back into the mix. Uh, I still think, you know, Deion Lewis is somebody that we can always consider, um, you know, but, you know, trying to time a, a, a Pat's running back really causes, causes us to pull out whatever hair we have left. Yeah, I mean, you saw it with last week with Burkhead. He had kind of been the guy that people were moving towards, you know, on uh, on DraftKings. He was under 4,000. A lot of people played him there. And then he fumbles, uh, you know, in the first quarter, and all of a sudden he's out for a long time. With Belichick, that one fumble can just cost so much. I just don't trust New England running backs. But Deion Lewis has quietly been really good. He has uh, he scored in the last two weeks. He had 88 yards last week against the, the Raiders combined. He had 14 carries for 55 yards against Denver the week before that. If I had to play one, it'd be Lewis. But still, he only played 26 snaps last week. Good game script with them as a favorite, but it's just so hard to time the Patriots running backs. Um, I just probably can find other guys I like more and not have to worry about what Bill Belichick does in the backfield. Yeah, and you know what's funny is I'm probably going to throw Burkhead in on a DraftKings lineup just you know after last week, sort of a uh, you know uh, after a crap uh, a chalk bust last week. Um, <laughs> you know, just not on a main team or anything. 
And then Brandon Cooks, you know, he's seen 20 targets in, in the last two weeks. He came through for us in an absolute smash spot. Uh, it was no secret that he was going to be one of the chalkiest receivers on the slate. Everybody was talking about him. A lot of people played him. Surprised he actually wasn't higher percentage. I think I saw him at a 20, 25% in some tournaments. Um, but, yeah, it was just a very obvious spot against that craptastic and depleted Raiders, Raiders secondary. <laughs> uh, I do love Cooks again this week uh, simply because of a matchup with Xavier Howard, who's a weekly target for us. But uh, I wonder if it might just end up being a Gronk week finally. I mean, Dolphins are now giving up the fifth most fantasy points, uh, Fanduel points to opposing tight ends, and maybe it's time for him to feast. Yeah, I think with Chris Hogan out, I think it could be actually a, a week for Cooks and for Gronk, you know, kind of taking that, that big target away from with Hogan out. But, I mean, Cooks is interesting with Hogan out. He goes from a kind of an upside guy who might hit a big play to now he has a really good floor. I mean, 28 targets the last three weeks, six for 149 last week. So he, he kind of has a good floor and a good upside route right now. Still only 7,600. You know, I think he'll be high percentage again. Although, you know, there's a lot of running or receivers in that in that range. But I think Cooks will be high percentage. I love Cooks this week. I also like Gronk. You got to like him. He's quiet the last two weeks. 110 yards and no touchdowns the last two weeks. Really quiet last week. He just kind of feels due. Um, he had he had 23 targets the three weeks before last week when he didn't do much. That that game flow kind of hurt him. Uh, the Raiders couldn't cover Cooks and they got they got way ahead and they just kind of went away from uh, went away from Gronk. But um, Gronk's under 8,000 too. Uh, I could see a spot where you play Cooks and Gronk kind of stack their offense if Miami can score a couple times. Yeah, and I think that's the problem here. It is. Uh, Cutler, Cutler is uh, dealing with a concussion. Uh, you know, Gay says that uh, he's still his guy. If he's going to be healthy, he's going to play. Uh, but I think with the Dolphins, we would probably imagine that we can use some of these these receivers, uh, especially with this large point spread and Patriots likely to get off to a lead, um, you know, like they did in Mexico City last week. And so, yeah, I mean, I personally, I probably am not going to be chasing uh, Kenny Stills box score from last week. Uh, but I think it's pretty fair to say that he's outperformed uh, my boy, your boy. Uh, everybody loves him, Devontae Parker, this year. And Stills has clearly looked like the more complete receiver. Yeah, to me, it depends who plays quarterback. If Matt Moore is playing quarterback, he seems to really click with Kenny Stills. Uh, if Cutler's in there, I think I like Parker. He he just kind of forces in the ball. He hasn't done a lot. He hasn't topped 80 yards. And he has one touchdown, but still heavy targets, 26 targets the last three weeks. Uh, I think that Parker, if Cutler plays, might be, might be a nice low percentage guy. I think that uh, people have kind of given up on him. Most people will go, if they go up a little bit, they'll go to, they'll go to Jarvis Landry, the, the target monster on that team. And if they want to go down, they'll go to Kenny Stills. But uh, Parker in the middle at 6,400, if Cutler plays, is mildly interesting to me, especially in a game where they're going to have to throw it a lot in the second half. Absolutely. And such a solid cash game play, and especially he's been scoring touchdowns lately. But uh, specifically in this matchup against one of the, the league's worst slot corners, Eric Rowe, if he has not yet been demoted. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the Pat, Pats are still allowing the most passing yards per game to opposing quarterbacks. Uh, I really like I really like Jarvis Landry this week as a cash game play. Crazy that Landry doesn't have a 100-yard game all year. He's just such a underneath guy. But uh, I like him more in PPR, but at only 7,100, uh, like you said, pretty good cash guy, a nice floor, especially in a game where they're going to throw the ball the whole second half. Yeah, and what was that, uh, that, that tweet that we saw earlier? I mean, like, what's that list of people that haven't uh, scored a <laughs> – who have hit, hit 100 yards? It's like Jordy Nelson, Mike Evans, uh, Crabtree, Alshon, Des Bryant. It's a pretty wild list. Yeah, it's been an interesting receiver year to say the least. Um Moving on to another game with a double-digit spread. It's wild how many of the good and bad teams are playing each other this week. Uh, the Bills are headed to Kansas City. Kansas City's struggling right now, but the Bills obviously were horrible last week. The Nathan Peterman experiment uh, did not last long. 
five inter- <laughs> five interceptions in the first half. I thought that was uh, just wild against the Chargers, and most of those were awful passes. The first one was off a guy's hand. The last four were not good balls, not good decisions. He looked terrible. Um, Sean McDermott has said that he's still evaluating the quarterback situation this week between Tyrod and Peterman. Uh, I got to think that Tyrod starts. He looked a lot better in that game, and Peterman looked terrible. The only guy on the Buffalo side of the ball, I think you probably agree with me, is, is LaShawn McCoy. Really strong last week. Uh, had that one huge run, then a late pass in garbage time, which was kind of a wild play that he was the one that was the, that's getting the, uh, I think it was a, like a 20-yard pass in garbage time. Uh, what about McCoy for you this week at 8,300? Yeah, you know, so the Chiefs, they're uh, officially on the latest uh, DVOA ranking uh, list. They, uh, they're they now ranked dead last in the league wow. uh, in, in run defense uh, heading into week 12. So Life comes um, at you pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, so I'm definitely interested in, in McCoy, and especially since you're probably going to get him, I would say, you know, somewhere between 10 to 15 percent owned, uh, you know, with Gurley and Ingram priced around, around, right around him. I think most people are going to go there. Uh, the Chiefs did help hold uh, Orleans Darkwood to just 3.7 yards of carry. Not too bad, but he did surpass 80 yards and scored. And a few weeks ago, well, there was the Zeke game. I think, you know, Zeke scored, got, you know, about 90, 91 yards or so. And then the week prior, I think it was like week seven, the, me- the mediocre uh, triumvirate of C.J. Anderson, Devontae Booker, and Jamal Charles combined for over six yards per carry against this team. So I wonder what kind of uh, punishment McCoy can inflict here. And also with the Chiefs' big 10-point favorites, you know, McCoy's still in play for me regardless of game script because he's, you know, usually in on almost every snap and he's catching passes. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly their best weapon. The volume will be there, but uh, 8,300, he's fully priced. I think there's other guys in that range I like more this week. Um, speaking of one of them, uh, we'll move to the Chiefs. Uh, who do you like on the on the KC side of the ball this week? Oh, man, I mean, I think the whole world, DFS world is going to be back on Kareem Hunt this week. Uh, you think so, so, huh? You think people are going to not be sick of him? He hasn't scored since week three. Yeah, I mean, there'll be a you know there'll be a certain contingent of people that are reactionary that won't. Um, but I think for the most part, some people feel like they're owed, and they've seen what has happened to the Bills since uh, oh, Darius was traded to the Jags. It is ugly. We, oh man, we saw what Ingram Kamara did. We we discussed that last week with DVR, um, and then Gordon and Eckler followed that up with a decent one-two punch um, last week. And so you know, I'm back on Hunt this week. I think uh, you know, Miss uh, you know Reed gets back to basics, get, gets Hunt on track. Uh, finally gets in the box, and I think he has a huge game. Yeah, I love I love Kareem Hunt this week. It's uh, week also seventy seven hundred. His his price has come down. Uh, gotta like that. Like you said, uh, they've just been getting thrashed on the ground. The Bills have. Uh, you mentioned Gordon Eckler and uh, Ingram and Kamara, and even Matt Forte the week before that at fourteen carries for seventy seven yards and two touchdowns. Um, I think yeah, I think you're probably right. Now that I think about it, probably Hunt's gonna be a little higher percentage that I would like, but I do like him a lot. What about the Chiefs pass catchers? Uh, Talk about uh, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I mean, you know, Kelsey and Tyreek are almost always in play. I think, you know, obviously Kelsey a bit better suited for cash games, uh, Tyreek and GPPs. Uh, I do like Tyreek. And, you know, he gets, you know, he's going to get lined up all over the place, have some plays designed for him. Uh, you know, most probably even some in the slot where Keenan Allen did damage against this Bills team last week in that Ooh, monster. Did he? Yeah, so, you know, the Bills D is just such a train wreck in, in, in every which way, so it's really not hard to have some exp- uh, hard to pass up on exposure in this game altogether. So, um, you know, there was that interesting thing about Travis Kelsey, if you look at his uh, his splits between home and road. I mean, he, he uh, gets so many more uh, fantasy points on the road as opposed to home. Uh, he did not score against the Giants, uh, as I had predicted, <laughs> but he did get 100 yards, catch a bunch of passes, and did not hurt people as to the chalk. So we talk about uh, how much we like the Chiefs offense. What about Alex Smith? 7,600. 
No one is going to have him this week. Uh, three touchdowns total the last three weeks. Hasn't topped 270 yards. Just struggled terribly last week, losing to the really bad Giants team. You know, not surprising with his noodle arm that he struggled in the win. But going back home this week, uh, the Bills have only given up four touchdowns the last four weeks through the air. So they've been pretty good against uh, against quarterbacks. Uh, what about Alex Smith in a week where probably nobody's going to have him? For me, probably a little bit lighter exposure. Uh, you know, Close to none, I guess, let's be honest. All right. uh, it, for me, it depends if Tyra Taylor is going to play because I think they can make that more of a game. Um, I think he can uh, you know, put up some rushing yards against the Chiefs. And uh, you know, I, for the most part, my exposure for the most part is going to be with Kareem Hunt here. Uh, but I'm not opposed uh, of sort of uh, getting some more pieces of this Chiefs offense and just having nice exposure to this game. Yeah, Kelsey's obviously a monster. You talked about that. You know, not 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 22 targets last week. It's a 23 22 catches the last three weeks. 285 yards, two touchdowns. Found it a little bit interesting though. OJ Howard's the only guy on the year, only tight end in the year to score against Buffalo or have over 60 yards. They've been really good against tight ends most of the year. But you know, Kelsey's obviously a, you know a matchup that uh, nobody's used to. And just one final thing, back on the Bills side, uh, you know, with Kelvin Benjamin possibly being out in this game, he's a uh, bu- Jordan- he's a bum anyway. Yeah, so you've got him. Jordan Matthews and Deontay Thompson are not at, not at full strength. Uh, I think there's an opportunity here for, for you know, especially if Tyrod is playing, for somebody like Zay Jones to step in or possibly Charles Clay, who's been sort of the long-forgotten man. Just sort of GPP punt plays. Clay's a little sneaky. But Zay Jones, after an absolutely horrible and inefficient first half as a rookie where, you know, he didn't even uh, accumulate more than 20 yards in any game, I think, for over the first six or seven games – He's got at least seven targets and 50 receiving yards in each of his last two games, and perhaps he's coming around a bit. Yeah, if the Chiefs score early, the Bills are going to have to throw the ball the whole second half, and someone's going to have to catch those passes. I think uh, I think Zay Jones is a pretty interesting, sneaky play. I like that. All right, next up, man, I actually kind of like this game. It I do is, too. Uh, yeah, division game, Tampa Bay, uh, not the Lightning, and uh, <laughs> yeah, Atlanta, not the Hawks. Uh, Atlanta are eight-and-a-half-point favorites as of this recording, over under 48-and-a-half last I looked. Uh, what say you about the uh, the Buccaneer side of the ball? I say that Doug Martin sucks. <laughs> Man, I wish we had chatted before last week. I would have uh, kept you from playing. I know, I know you, you last week uh, you were traveling and crazy work and all that stuff and uh, – didn't have a lot of time to, to put in any lineups, but man, he is just absolutely atrocious. Yeah, I was between Doug Martin and Samaj P. Ryan for my cheap running back last <laughs> week, and uh, I, let's just say I chose poorly. Um, Doug Martin, last three weeks, 47 carries for 96 yards. That's almost impossible how terrible that is. Yeah, unbelievable. So uh, looking at their looking at their pass catchers, because I'm not playing Doug Martin, uh, Mike Evans, 7,700. A lot of guys in that range that I think a lot of people are going to be like, uh, going to like. Uh, we talked about Brandon Cooks. We'll get to some other guys later. So I think probably a little bit of a lower ownership. I think people are a little bit worried about Ryan Fitzpatrick and uh, Mike Evans' price, like I said, with some other guys in that range. Did have 10 targets last week. Uh, five for 92, hit one uh, hit one long pass play. I wonder if he's a little bit of a uh, contrarian guy this week, even though he's a stud, but uh, maybe a little lower owned percentage than we're used to on Evans. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, I, you know, I wrote Mike Evans down the second that I, you know, I, like I would any other week, and there's a good chance he might see a little bit more of Robert Alford um, as opposed to Desmond Trufant. Uh, I saw some numbers on, on Trufant's efficiency and uh, what a great, uh, you know, uh, defender he's been over the last month. Uh, Trufant is... Uh, been has been known as a solid shutdown corner, but had a slow first half. He's really coming on. Um, but either way, you know, for what it's worth, Evans did put up a couple of monster outings against the Falcons last year. He went five for 99 and a touchdown in Atlanta in week one. And then he caught 11 of 17 balls for 150 yards and two touchdowns. 
I know we don't want to put uh, you know too much emphasis on what happened last year because obviously it's a different season, different teams in a lot of regard. Uh, but I can definitely see this one being a fun little shootout and uh, having a little bit of Evans exposure. Yeah, you, we've we've talked football for a lot of years. You know how much I love Deshaun Jackson as a player, but. I just don't love him with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I just don't think the deep chances are quite there like they are with Jameis Winston and a, and a stronger arm. Um, you know, he only had he only has one game over 40 yards the last four weeks, and that was the one that Mike Evans suspended for. So when Evans plays, D-Jack's just not doing a lot right now. 6,500, I think there's just other guys I like in that range more. I don't think I'm going to have any Deshaun this week. Yeah, and then as for Cameron Brait. Um, wow, you know, what has it's, happened it's, there? Yeah, I mean, you know, never should a, a player in fantasy be dead to you, but I think he's getting close to that after busting three weeks in a row. Um, so you could probably cue the monster outing this week. I, I wouldn't be shocked. He has three catches for 31 yards total the last three weeks. That's almost impossible because how good he was the first like six or seven weeks of the year. Yeah, and what's happening now is uh, I just went back and took a look, and O.J. Howard has actually outsnapped him over the last two weeks, ever so slightly, but he does uh, has been on the field a bit more than Cameron Bray. Yeah, he's just hard to trust right now. Maybe if you're, uh, maybe you play a lot of leagues and you want to throw him in a couple GPPs, is kind of a super low percentage guy, but he's hard to trust. But on the Atlanta side of the ball, um, I'm going to let you go first here. Talk to me about uh, Matt Ryan slash Julio Jones. Uh, if it's ever going to be a week, it's got to yeah. be a home game against the Buccaneers, right? Yeah, and you know what? It was really nice to see them finally gelling a little bit uh, on Monday night. Um, a game that a lot, I think, a lot of people expected to be a pretty good one, and I think it came through. Uh, until the Blair Walsh project there at the end of the game, as uh, many also predicted. Boy, how do you miss a 51-yard um, field goal short? Uh, unbelievable. Whew. And it's it's ironic because th- this good game happened without Devonta Freeman in the mix, who yep. uh, you know apparently is looking like somewhat of a bust. Um, you know, I think we're going to see uh, Julio, uh, you know, potentially as uh, somebody that's going to be somewhat chalky again. But everyone's waiting for that blow-up game. He only has one touchdown this year, but this could finally be the week against this. You know, the, the key to me here is that this secondary is not only really bad, Tampa Bay, but they're also undersized. So I think it's a really good spot for him to potentially dominate. Yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of, like you said, you know, you don't want to miss the explosion when it finally happens. Uh, it's hard to uh, hard to not like Julio this week against the against the Buccaneers. You know, uh, Kenny Stills and Jarvis Landry smoked them last week. Robbie Anderson was 85 yards in a touchdown the week before at home in the dome against uh, against this team. Uh, 30 targets the last three weeks hasn't scored the last four weeks, but under 8,000. God, it's hard to go away from Julio this week, even though he's burned me a lot of times this year. Yeah, I'm going to play him on my main lineup, um, probably with Ryan. Um, I kind of like this game as a stack, to be honest, probably going with like, a, you know, Ryan and Julio and uh, Evans to bring it back on the other side. And, uh, you know, even Mohamed Sanu, potentially. I mean, he's the man. I mean, he's getting into the end zone. Uh, he's got into the end zone three of the last four weeks. He's still really cheap, 5,800. Not piling up big yardage, but, uh, but yeah, it's interesting. Those, uh, you know, if, if I'm not mistaken, it was, um, you know, the – Cincinnati at, at one time where they had AJ Green, Muhammad Sanu and Marvin Jones. Right. And these two have sort of uh, really evolved on their respective teams. You're leaving out my boy, TJ Hushman Zeta. Yes, but there was a different era. Or I know, but only... I just, okay. I just want to say, I just want to say that out loud. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting though. I mean, we talk about how cooks and Julio might be really high percent. That uh, kind of leads me to think even more that Mike Evans might be a little overlooked this week. Yeah, absolutely. I dig it. Real quick before we get to our next game, a quick read from our sponsor, FanDuel.com. We appreciate them for that. 
Fantasy football fans, football is in full swing, which means FanDuel is in full swing. FanDuel is fantasy football for everyday fans. There are new contests starting every week. No busted seasons. We talked about a lot of the running backs that are out. You don't have to worry about David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott, drafting those guys when you play FanDuel. There's something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from starting at just $1, going all the way up as much as you want to play. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. Fan will be especially fun this week with a, a, a special Thanksgiving slate. You can play a, you can play a three-game slate or a two-game slate this week on Thanksgiving. So you don't want to, you know a lot of guys in your season-long league going uh, going this uh, this week. You can play on Fanduel and watch games on Thursday. Uh, adds a lot of your fun to your Thanksgiving. Hopefully your family won't hate me for that suggestion. Over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing on Fanduel. Take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at fanduel.com slash rw. You will get a six a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than $1 million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit fanduel.com slash rw, void where prohibited. Uh, moving on to a game that's not quite as fun as exciting as the one before, uh, the Carolina Panthers heading to the New York Jets. Carolina fared by five, over under of only 40. Uh, I'm going to let you talk about Cam Newton because I can't figure uh, I can't figure out when to play him this year at all. Yeah, yeah, I know we we've talked about it before. I know that we both played him on that one, you know, one of his two good weeks. I believe it's only been two good weeks, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really, you know, when I was, I, I always separate, uh, you know, cash and GPP plays, um, you know, whenever I'm preparing for the podcast, and I'm just not seeing a lot of cash game considerations in this game. Um, you know. I'm probably not going to be having a lot of Cam Newton um, at the Jets isn't really a spot that I think is advantageous. Um, And even more so with Greg Olson coming back, I think it sort of takes off a little bit of the luster, uh, you know, of guys like Funchess and even Christian McCaffrey to a degree. Um, You know, McCaffrey obviously is uh, is the only running back in football to uh, have caught more than 50 passes. But, uh, you know, Jets are fairly stout against opposing running backs, more so against the sort of north south runners. Um, so, you know, I don't see this matchup as a problem. I think mostly the concern here is if Olsen is healthy and back in the mix, um, and just the fact that, uh, I think the Jets play pretty solid at home and they're coming off the bye. Yeah. You know, obviously love, I love Christian McCaffrey. We know that everybody knows that 6,700 though. He's not, uh, not priced down at all in Fanduel with only half point PPR. It's hard to, hard to go there. He has 20 targets last week. So most of his value comes from catching the ball does have three touchdowns the last two weeks, but with a half-point PPR, I think you're kind of reliant on those touchdowns, and it, it's hard to bank on those uh, week in and week out. The one thing I do like with Cam is how much he's running the ball. He, he made a comment uh, earlier this week. They had a bye week this week. I saw an interview with him that you know he wasn't healthy earlier in the year, which we all kind of thought. They were kind of putting the reins on him running the ball. But 86 and 95 yards last two games running the ball, that's that's a pretty huge edge at quarterback. When you run the ball that much to go with the passing stats, it does, it does have some value, but I agree with you uh, against the Jets, having allowed a 300-yard passer all year long, um, only giving up uh, three touchdowns, pa- three touchdown passing touchdowns passing once. I can talk. Um, just not the spot that I want to use Cam, especially at eight thousand. And, and even more so on the Jets side. I mean, just again, not a matchup with really great upside for the running backs nor the receivers. Panthers rank third against the run uh, DVOA wise, eighth against the pass. Uh, and though I love Robbie Anderson, and I think he's really revolving as a talent uh, and is a talented receiver. I just sort of see him more of like a GPP play if for some reason you, you know, you're crazy and you think this game shoots out and you want to have some exposure. Um, so, you know, honestly, and, and the running backs, again, similar situation like Philadelphia and New England to a degree, but at a, with a lot worse of a team. It's like if Matt Forte is healthy, it really just makes his backfield situation just even one more so to avoid uh, with with Powell and even rookie Elijah McGuire getting involved and sharing all the carries. Just not a situation I want any part of. 
Yeah, Robbie Anderson's the only guy for me that I'm going to consider. 6,700, I do like the price. He scored the last four weeks. 23 targets the last four weeks. They clearly look, look to him down the field, but like you said, Carolina's pretty tough against the pass. They've only allowed one guy over 90 yards at a receiver this year, and that was Julio Jones. Um, but still, under 7,000, could be a good game script. Carolina is favored by five. If Carolina jumps out, starts uh, starts well, you could see a lot of Robbie Anderson in the second half. Uh, I like him as in a GPP. 6,700 is a good price, not super cheap, but... Uh, about the only guy I'm considering on the Jets side of the ball. And now in a game with a uh, you know with a few more points in the uh, in the total here in Vegas, 44 point over under. It's the Tennessee Titans at the Colts. Tennessee favored by three and a half. Uh, yeah, I mean I I, I kind of like this game a little bit more. Um, you know, with the Titans, uh, it, you know, for me, Rashard Matthews is Mariota's go-to guy the way that I see it, and Corey, you know, Corey Davis, the rookie. He's really he underperformed in Thursday's game, but man, he's cheap, really cheap, fifty four hundred. He looks healthy um, from his injury earlier this season, and he's got seventeen targets over the last two games. Uh, and also, the Colts' secondary is absolutely horrendous. So I think there's a good reason to at least look at these options, uh, especially considering the Colts have uh, the worst yards per attempt mark to opposing quarterbacks, allowing eight point three yards per attempt. Yeah, they've given up uh, they've given up 80 yards to six different receivers over the last six weeks. So a lot of receivers have been getting healthy against them. Uh, one of my favorite plays of the week under 6,000 is Delaney Walker. I know he has not scored a touchdown in the year, but how about these numbers? In the last four weeks, Delaney has 33 targets, 24 catches, and 289 yards. He's been quietly really, really good. Everybody's been down on him, though, because he hasn't scored the touchdowns. A few of those touchdowns are coming these, uh, these next few weeks. I really like Delaney Walker this week under 6,000. Yeah, I'm always into Delaney. Uh, the one small little correction, I did find a touchdown that he did score. It's sort of hidden because he uh, he ran it in. So, uh, one, okay. yeah, just no receiving touchdowns. So yeah. You are correct in what you say. Um, and then how about the running backs here? I mean, for me, I have no interest nope. in, in – uh, I call him Molasses Murray now. <laughs> I mean, I could totally see him punching in another couple of touchdowns on just like 40 yards and maybe a few catches. But I think the Colts' run D is – a little underrated, despite the fact they've allowed the third most rushing touchdowns on the year. Yeah, they held Le'Veon Bell to, to 80 yards in the last game and on 26 carries. I think DeMarco's just way too touchdown reliant. Um, you know, if you get a couple touchdowns, maybe he could pay off. But he hasn't topped 60 rushing yards the last seven games. Wow. Uh, I just I just don't like guys who they have to score twice. You know, if, if at least you can, if you have to score once to, to pay off, it's worth it. But it's got to score twice with those 55 or 60 yards. I just I just don't see it. At 6,500, he's not cheap enough for me to play him. Uh, I will have no DeMarco this week. And uh, disappointed in myself for drafting him in, in, a, in a pretty significant league this year over Todd Gurley. Uh, one of my bigger mistakes in a long time. Yeah, and then on the Colts side of the ball, I mean, for me, I like Marlon Mack, the player, and what he may become. But, uh, you know, for me, him and Frank Gore, I just have no interest against this run defense. I pretty much never play running backs against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, and then Dante Moncrief, uh, I'll just let him beat me. I'm not going to touch the guy. Um, just one of those guys similar to Aguilar. Um, yeah, I, I even like Aguilar 10 times better than Moncrief. <laughs> so um, obviously if Luck was playing, perhaps a different story. The guy I'm intrigued in here is T.Y. Hilton um, at home in the coverage of Logan Ryan for the most part. And, you know, Hilton's always just a pure GPP play, um, especially if you really dig into his box scores and notice that there really is no middle ground with him. He either explodes as a top three receiver on the day or he just completely destroys your lineups. 
Yeah, the last three weeks he has 15 yards, 23 yards, and 175 with two touchdowns. So, uh, <laughs> but you look at the Tennessee D, and they've been thrashed by receivers lately. Uh, Antonio Brown had 10 for a buck 44 and three scores last week. The week before that, AJ Green had five for 115, and Brendan LaFell had six for 95. They both scored. Jeremy Macklin had 98 yards the week before that. Um, I'm, I'm with you. Helton's 7,500. I wish he was a little bit cheaper, um, but you know he has those big weeks, so they can't price him down too much. But 7,500, he is going to be low percent especially with, you know, Cooks and Julio Jones pretty close in, in price. Uh, Hilton's an interesting GPP guy, low percentage guy, flyer. He's only he's either going to get you three points or 23. Uh, like you said, there's not much in between. All right. On to the uh, 1 o'clock games for us West Coasters, and it's 4 o'clock on the East Coast. Yeah, we have uh, we have the Seattle Seahawks. I almost said Mariners. My goodness, headed to the uh, headed to the 49ers to play in Santa Clara. Um, you know, Levi Stadium is getting quieter and quieter by the week as the 49ers struggle through the season. Uh, Seahawks. I almost said Mariners again. Seahawks are favored by six and a half. Over under of 42. Um, I think all the most of the interesting plays are on the on the Seattle side. So I'll start there. Uh, Russell Wilson is 8600. He has one of these one of these great setups right now in the NFL. His his D is struggling. Richard Sherman and Camp Chance are out for the year. He has no running game. Um, you know, kind of a, he just has to do it all, and there's there's really no choice in that situation. He has a really good setup for at least for fantasy wise. Obviously, it's hurting the Seahawks as a team, but fantasy wise, 11 total touchdowns the last four weeks. Um, the Niners just gave 273 to Eli Manning their last game. Um, if this game can remotely stay close, and the spread's only six and a half, the Niners played them tough in Seattle the first game. Um, gotta like Wilson in, in eighty six hundred this week. Over seventy five yards rushing, also in two of the last three, he's kind of running for his life with an offensive line. Uh, do you think the Niners can keep it close enough for Wilson to go off? Uh, I don't know, and you, I mean, you know me. Uh, this is probably a good opportunity to I'll remind everyone that uh, in the preseason, Russell Wilson was my uh, guy. I had to have guy I expected to be the QB one on the year and uh, pretty much grabbed him in the seventh, eighth round in most of my, uh, my NFFC leagues. And so I'm loving this. Um, hopefully can stay healthy and I can enjoy the ride. Um, I really want to be bullish on this game. Um, obviously the passing attack uh, or the fact that Mike Davis, who actually looked really good on Monday night, um, got knocked out of the game and is hurt and may not play really sort of stinks. They may ended up, end up going back to, uh, you know, get Thomas Rawls active again. Eddie Lacy's pretty no, much done. Don't, don't say Eddie Lacy. Just pr- pretend he doesn't exist. It pretty much doesn't, um, you know, and, and then J.D. McKissick, um, you know, I, I don't think he has um, the, the best head. I saw a couple of plays where it's like, you know, what's he doing? He's got a you know a, open line into just jumping into the end zone. And he's like, you know, you know trying to run <laughs> around guys. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, really in this type of situation, you know, I like the seat. We know how bad the Niners um, defense is on all fronts, specifically against the pass. And so just for that reason, Gotta like the Seahawks. I personally really like Baldwin in a bounce back spot. He did score that late touchdown in the Monday night game, but was quiet otherwise. And he was also quiet in the Niners week two game uh, when he caught just six balls for 44 yards, did not get into the end zone. But anytime you've got a talented receiver like Baldwin against Kawan Williams, you think you got, almost got to exploit it. Yeah, and it's funny. We talked about Mike Evans being low percentage with Cooks and, and, and Julio being popular, but how about Baldwin? I mean, he's more expensive than... Evans, Julio, and Cooks. You got to think nobody's going to be on him. And a really interesting uh, GBP play at low percentage, due with a lot of upside against a bad defense. Yeah, and I think the only problem with Baldwin really is how much Russell Wilson loves him some Jimmy Graham in the red zone. I mean, Whew. that's now seven touchdowns in his last six games after going scoreless in his first four. The price is up seven thousand. 
Uh, but I think he's squarely in the conversation this week. Yeah, I mean, 28 targets the last three weeks. You know, huge numbers for a tight end. Really active, really active in the red zone, like you said. Um, expensive, though, 7,000. I like Delaney Walker more at 5,900, but got to like Jimmy Graham. The, the Seahawks can get in the red zone a lot in this game. Uh, got to like his chance to score a touchdown. But I think if I go somewhere, I think it's going to be sneaky Doug Baldwin. You know, uh, playing close to home, he he went to Stanford. Um, so obviously, always a, always a little boost for me on that one. But 7,900, you got to think he's going to be super low percentage. Yeah, and as I was watching that game and I w- was seeing that, you know, Baldwin wasn't involved much and I went and I took a look at the schedule. Oh, they're playing the Niners, a little Kawan Williams. I'm like, I'm going to definitely be having some shares. And so, yeah, my only my only reservation is that they do spread around a lot. Uh, Tyler Lockett gets involved a lot. Paul Richardson gets a lot of catches. But yep. um, I think that uh, – I think I like Baldwin this week too. It's just going to be a matter of uh, how I move around the, the Julio Cooks, Baldwin, Evans guys. I, li- I, like, I think I like to get uh, two of those guys in a lot of lineups this week. What about your Niners? Is there anyone here considering, like, you know, some Carlos Hyde, always reasonably priced, uh, maybe Marquise Goodwin? Yeah, I mean, Hyde's the guy. Just It's just the volume. It's one of those things that if they're in a close game, he's going to be running the ball a lot. If they're down, he's going to be catching the ball a lot. So the volume is always there. He was 17 for 98 last week or two weeks ago. They had a bye last week and 23 targets last week. So when, when they do get behind, he's catching the ball a lot. Um, you know, he got them for 124 yards rushing the first game. So he played really well against mm-hmm. the Seahawks the first time around. Uh, the Seahawks D struggled early against the run, but no running back over 60 yards last seven weeks. A lot of weak names in there, but there was a Todd Gurley game in there. They held him pretty well. So um, that kind of pulled me back off Hyde a little bit, how good their defense has been against the run lately. Um, but I, I do think at 6,600, he's an interesting play, um, more of a GPP guy for me. Uh, you know, he's got to break one and probably score to be worth it. But uh, I think the volume makes him definitely playable. Yeah, my only other concern is that they, uh, they 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 sometimes mix in Matt Breida and he vultures him at the goal line occasionally. Yeah, they do. Um, uh, I I think that I think Hyde taking that over a little bit, but yeah, they do they do use Breida on some third downs, and he he tends to get in the end zone when Hyde doesn't. It's kind of frustrating. Yeah, and uh, give me some credit for not calling him Breida this week. Like that I was that was excellent. Although you called Kenyon Barner, Ken John Barner, so it's back to even for you. Did I? Damn. Uh, Marquis Goodwin, last little note here. Uh, nice and cheap, 5,300. He has that breakneck speed, that big playability. Um, you know, no Richard Sherman in the mix. And uh, those uh, sec- that secondary has been burned without Sherman. So what do you think about him? I do. He's a, he's a boomer bust guy. But at 5,300, I think that, you know, he's at least priced correctly for a boomer bust guy. He'll get he'll get a couple deep shots. You know they're coming. Just a matter if they hit, uh, hit on them. Uh, pretty awesome. He caught that uh, long touchdown two weeks ago after his child died the night before. It was a uh, he had a he had a pre- his his wife was pregnant. And they had to uh, a stillbirth, so it was very cool. And he scored. He was overcome with emotion. So I've really enjoyed reading his story the last couple weeks. Seems like a really good guy. Um, a GPP play though, fifty three hundred. But he's a wide receiver one. I mean, he's their main guy right now with Pierre Garcon out uh, on IR for the year. Should be really active. It's not often you get a guy with a, a bunch of targets playing wide receiver one fifty three hundred. So I do like him, but he's got to be a GPP guy for you. All right, on to the game of the week. Oh, as far as as far as I see it, the New Orleans Saints, L.A. Rams, a couple of teams that might, uh, uh, you know, are you, do a are you, are you should be you should be going to this game. Are you going to this game? It's in L.A. Huh? No, uh, got you should the be family going. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and to be honest, um, this, I'd rather be able to watch all the games <laughs> as opposed to being in the stadium. And I know. Me that. too. Me too. Yeah. So on the Saints side, so I love this game in general. I think there's a lot of ways we can go. Um, for me, I've got a lot of these guys listed as sort of cash game plays. Um, and I think we discussed in the spot, um, you know, at least I did with DVR last week, how Ingram and Kamara can actually be played together. 
Um, and I think we've seen that case uh, the last couple of weeks, even last week against a decent Redskins run defense where it had a little bit of trepidation. Uh, and I did see a lot of GPP lineups that were up there in the top 5% that had that combo, which is interesting. Uh, Ingram is just such a rock. This offense always finds a way to put him in position for goal line carries. Um, so I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be play this week. And then Kamara, of course, we've already discussed him. What a rare talent, just an absolute beast. Now averaging 24 Fandle points over his last three with a touchdown in each of those games. Yeah, I saw some stat that they, uh, they're they the only the only guys to have 20 points in PPR each in back-to-back games since like the Dolphins uh, had some running backs in 1981. So it's uh it's it's been crazy how good they've been recently. They're harder to play together now though. They're both eight over 8000. So it gets to yep. it gets to be a little tougher. Kamara especially is really rocketed up. He's so good and it's just on so few touches, you know. He had uh he had the five touchdowns the last four weeks, but he's fully priced now. He's a beast, but he has to make a big play at his limited touches and that's always a little bit concerning to me at 8100. I love him. I think he's great. I love this game. You've got a game where it's uh, only a two and a half point spread with a 53 and a half over under. So a perfect game script. If I'm going with one of the running backs this week, I think I like Mark Ingram a little more this week, though. What about the passing side? I mean, Breeze reasonably priced. Uh, you could work with Thomas or Ted Ginn um, and possibly Kamara in a GPP if you're really sort of stacking this game. I love this game in general for stacking purposes. And I think I'm apt. I think I'll. Just about every DFS player, at least all the um, semi-sharp ones, are going to have a lot of exposure to this game. Yeah, and Michael Thomas is interesting. He's 7,600. We talked about a lot of guys in that range. He hasn't scored in six weeks, so I've heard a lot of people upset with him. You know, a lot of people drafted him in the first round are mad because he hasn't scored. But eight targets or more in the last five weeks. He has a minimum of 65 yards in each of his last five games. So creates a really nice floor. They have a great game script this week, with, like I said, with the high over-under and the low spread. He's been only been under 50 yards two weeks all year. So while he has not scored, he's been one of the most consistent receivers all year. And it's kind of gone under the radar because people are, you know, so upset with him where he was drafted. But that's irrelevant now. 7,600 this week. Uh, you think he gets in the end zone? Oh, Michael Thomas? Yes. I think, I, I, man, I think anything's possible in this game. I right. think uh, Michael Thomas does final. I mean, I'm going to say yes that he scores. All right. That's, that would be only a second all year, so that'd be good. But what do you do with Drew Brees? He's under 8,000, 7,800. We're always a little bit worried about him on the road. But, you know, obviously it's, it's a nice weather game. It's going to be warm in L.A. this week, so you have no weather concerns. I thought that Brees has played really well recently, but it's just the volume's not there because of how well they run the ball. And even last week, he had 385 yards and two touchdowns, but 164 of those were in the last two drives. He went crazy the last two drives when they were they were down by 15 points and they had to throw the ball. So the game script helped him a lot. It might help him this week, but uh, you got to think they can run the ball and keep that game close. I just I wonder how much he can go off uh, when they run the ball so much. That's true, but I think in this scenario with this game and with the Rams with the high over under in a game that I could see, you know, combining for sixty points total, yep. um, you know, I'm definitely going to want to have a bit of exposure. I have not played a lot of Breeze all week. I think both you and I sort of caught on early on how good this uh, New Orleans Saints defense has been and how solid the running backs have been, how, how much more run heavy they've been. Um, and yes, like you mentioned last week, uh, you know, big part of those three hundred plus yardage. Uh, yards for Breeze came, you know, on those uh, on those last two drives. But um, I'm definitely going to have a, a GPP team stacked in this game um, with Breeze and a bunch of exposure here with Gurley on the other side. So what about the Rams? Uh, Jared Goff, 7600, struggled big time last week against Minnesota. You know, the first time, uh, you know, most of the season he's been really good. Only had 225 yards, no touchdowns. He had seven touchdowns the two weeks before that. This is also obviously a, gate, a great game script, as we kind of talked about. 
Um, Kirk Cousins was good against the Saints last week, 322 yards, three touchdowns. And it's funny, I looked back and they had only given up, the Saints only given up two passing TDs in the four weeks before that. But you look at the quarterbacks and it was Brett Hundley, Mitchell Trubisky, the Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick combo, and then uh, Tyrod Taylor, Nathan Peterman. So they've been, they've been playing against some awful quarterbacks, but the last two games they've, they've gotten got against Cousins had 322 and three and Matthew Stafford had 312 and 312 yards and three touchdowns. It seems like good quarterbacks are actually playing okay against the Saints recently. Yeah, they got got, and now they're about to get goffed. So, uh, uh, well played. That was actually pretty good. Most of your you, most of your jokes are bad. That was pretty well done. Real, yeah. Most are real bad. I think people know this. Uh, for me, Rams side of the ball. I think the conversation starts uh, with with the league's highest scoring back, Todd Gurley. Yep. Um, he is my favorite running back. I'm going to be chalky. But that's all right. Uh, just really a nice matchup for him at home against the Saints defense, whose weakness comes against the run. Um, ranked 26th in DVOA there. And they're allowing the third most yards per carry to opposing backs, 4.7 yards per carry behind only the Chargers and the Patriots. So um, I'm starting with Gurley on most of my teams. Yeah, he's had some rough game scripts lately. Uh, You know, the two games they blew teams out. And then last week they were they were behind against the Vikings. So he hasn't topped 20 carries in any of the last three games, hasn't topped 70 yards rushing the last three games. But all that has kind of been game flow. This is a perfect game situation for him. They got to think he's going to be super involved. Even if they get down early, they're going to throw the ball to him. Uh, got to think he's involved in the passing game and the running game a lot. Got to think he's really rested too, having not top twenty carries like I said the last three weeks. Uh, love Gurley this week. He's probably my favorite running back too. I think a, I think a Gurley Mark Ingram combo uh, and just sit back and watch this game could be a lot of fun. Absolutely, and I think where I'm going to start with on my main lineup. Haven't really played around with the you know quarterbacks and receivers, but because I don't like a lot of uh, cheap running backs this week. And because Hunt is reasonably priced, may just roll with Gurley and Hunt. See if I can get Julio in there and see what I can do around that sort of build there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the other person that is interesting to me in this game, Cooper Cup. I, yeah, he's <laughs> going to be on the radar for a lot of people, uh, especially with Robert Woods sidelined. Um, and he's still raw, this rookie. I mean, he doesn't have the best hands, but honestly, he's the guy that's going to be soaking up this targets. And it's going to especially be the case if Marshawn Lattimore, that shutdown rookie uh, corner, is going to be healthy and playing. He'll be he'll tie up Watkins no problem. Um, that'll sort of funnel everything to Cup and uh, obviously Todd Gurley. Yeah, it's funny we talk about how Robert Woods has been good lately, but Cooper Cup, you know, the last three weeks still has 19 targets and 15 catches, so he's still been really good, even with Woods in there. With Woods out, you got to think that uh, he and Goff have a good connection. They were they were actually roommates together during training camp. Uh, you know, Cup stayed at Goff's house, so they have they have a good connection, good chemistry. I like his chances a lot without Robert Woods. One of my favorite receivers under six thousand, only fifty four hundred. Like you said, Marshawn Lattimore questionable with the ankle injury that could uh, that could affect a lot. Um, you know, maybe if he doesn't play, then maybe Sammy Watkins is a little interesting at fifty nine hundred. But uh, I think I like Co- I think Cooper Cup a lot more, especially in a cash game. Yes, and and I think it's uh it goes without saying that this week the cup the cup shall runneth over. And you should have stopped at the last joke. Uh, you know how it goes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving on to the Jacksonville Jaguars, your favorite fantasy defense, as they are carrying you in NFFC. I noticed earlier this week uh, they move to the desert. They are playing at Arizona. Jacksonville fared by four and a half, a super low over under of 38, which happens quite often in Jacksonville games when you combine their D plus Blake Bortles. Um, starting with Jacksonville, Leonard Fournette is 8,100 this week. Uh, he was questionable coming in last week. Uh, his percentage was down as a result. He was uh, he was deemed active about uh, 8.30 Pacific time. He actually looked fine to me. I watched a bunch of that game. I own him a couple of places. 28 carries, 111 yards. So not uh, not super efficient, but he was really active. The 28 carries I thought were a really good sign. 
yeah, he did have quite the workload. Um, and it's funny because he was complaining about the game beforehand about the weather there. So um, he, apparently, yeah, he, apparently he hates being in the cold, which is uh, very strange. Yeah, <laughs> I guess, I guess I it's mean, good. It's good at land. He landed in Jacksonville and it could have been a lot worse. Absolutely. Well, you know, the, the main issue here is he's got an ankle issue that, uh, you know, probably is going to be bothering him all year to some degree. Um, and so that, that worries me just a little bit and makes me perhaps not want to pay up for him, especially against this cards defense. that's top 10 against the run. Yeah. I mean, we talked about, uh, we talked about Ingram, Kamara, uh, Kareem hunt and Todd Gurley. Got to think Fournette's going to be really low percent, which all those guys right around his price. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Going to be a, a contrarian could be, play. But could, I think, be, could be an interesting contrarian guy, like you said. Absolutely. And I think, you know, for me, honestly, very little that I love in this game, especially with the 38 over under. Um, obviously, you know, Jags defense is in play. Um, they're priced up. They're expensive. They just continue to crush every week. They came through again last week, even though they were priced up. Boy, there. boy was that touchdown garbage late, too. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that was disgusting. And, yeah, and it's going to be a lot tougher of a matchup for Blaine Gabbert, um, who's actually um, uh, pretty much my my cheap punt last week. It was him and uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and both ended up uh, hitting value, which was nice. Um, but you know, it's just a lot easier to to spot. You know, a, a, a lot easier of a spot to sort of predict interceptions this week. Um, but of course, you're going to have to pay up for them. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I looked at the Jacksonville defense a little bit earlier earlier today because we we had, you and I had been talking about how good they were and how they were great in NFFC. It's it's funny if you look at NFFC scoring, uh, Jacksonville. There's only six running backs who have more points than them, and there's only two wide receivers who have more points than them. That is a insanely crazy valuable defense to have that separates you from other teams. And and as I have done from time to time, and I will admit it, I took that information and I. Posted it on Twitter as my own. Sorry, Scott. Well, I'm uh, I'm used to you stealing my valuable content and using it as your own on Twitter. <laughs> Any good tweets you have for me, you probably came from Scott. That's not quite, probably but, not totally true, but every once okay. in a while, that's true. Um, yeah, I like the Jags defense too. Like you said, though, 5,500. You know, it's tough. They had five sacks last week and five turnovers. Although against that was that was against Deshaun Kaiser Sose, so kind of uh, doesn't really count uh, that much. So. Um, but you got to think uh, a good matchup. Uh, they're they're four and a half point favorites. They could have a lead. Blaine Gabbert um, threw a couple picks last week, so I like their defense again. But like you said, paying up for them is tough. Anybody on the Arizona side of the ball, an offense that you like? Uh, I think everybody's finally off Adrian Peterson after thirty five carries or fifty five yards the last two games. <laughs> very nice. Very yeah. nice. Uh, yeah, with the Cardinals, I mean, there just isn't very much for me to be excited about. Um, you know, uh, you know, DV, DVR and I, and, and as a lot of people were last week, were all over Larry Fitzgerald. And, uh, you know, the slot spot against Aaron Colvin is really the only semi-weak spot of the Jags secondary. But even then, Colvin's a pretty strong defender, um, usually gets some help there, too. Um, so I just don't see a huge upside for him, uh, for Larry Fitz. Uh, with John Brown out again, we'll likely see a mix of, uh, you know, Jaron Brown and uh, uh, J.J. Nelson. And, and even rookie Chad Williams is going to be activated for the game. Um, and even that crazy, uh, that rookie tight end, Seal Jones, got into the end zone a couple times. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just not a lot. There, there's some sort of speculation plays here, but you're just sort of, you know, playing against the wind. Um, the only other guy I'll sort of be interested in watching, I'm not going to play him, but uh, if he's active, ASU rookie DJ Foster, who we saw uh, for people that played preseason DFS. Uh, fellow I, DJ. I owned him. I owned him in my college fancy league. He was a beast. <laughs> yeah. And so he could be the guy taking over third yard duties with uh andre ellington going to uh play with his cousin bruce over in houston so um yeah somebody that's uh 
somebody just to simply keep an eye on. I guess if you're crazy, if you're playing 150 lineups, you can go ahead and play him. In case you're wondering when Ricky Seals Jones caught a second touchdown, that was officially the time that I gave up on last week's slate. <laughs> last thing about this game <laughs> I wanted to mention, um, I think I'm ready to finally de- deploy some D.D. Westbrook in some of my lineups. Uh, well, at, he, he didn't have 200 yards last week against the Browns, though, like, as promised. Yes, but I like that. I like that sort of shooting for the stars. Um, you know, I love that quote last week. Obviously, he wasn't going to get there. Um, How about we starting with about, like 75 yards, though? Uh, you know, shoot for the stars, and eventually, you know, you, you get close. It might be it um, might be too much time hanging out with Baker Mayfield last year at Oklahoma. <laughs> That's prob- probably could, could be the case. But he's dirt cheap, 4,900. He's going to see a full complement of snaps across from Marquise Lee, who's probably going to be tied up with Patrick Peterson. Um, D.D. Westbrook might be a nice sneaky way to uh, to, to uh, be able to fit some of your studs in this week. I joke about D.D., but I actually had him in my college fantasy league last year. I love the guy. I think he's really talented. I think he's really good. Uh, 4900 I do like that price. As a GPP guy, he, he's really intriguing to me, too. Uh, you won your league, right? You've got D.J. Foster, D.D. Westbrook. Did you win? Uh, yeah, I win that league most years, but uh, don't tell Mike Quackenbush that because he'll be upset. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Denver at the Raiders, a game of teams that are two of the most disappointing in all of football this year. Both these fan bases are super frustrated. Now there's a lot of, uh, a lot of angry Broncos and Raiders Twitter, uh, especially this week, uh, after the Raiders got smacked by new England and then, uh, and, uh, Denver has been struggling the last few weeks with Brock Osweiler starting with Denver that, you know, interesting guy to me is Devonte Booker. He's only 5,500 this week. He actually outsnapped and out touched CJ Anderson last week. He played 48 snaps. He had 14 carries and six targets. Uh, do you think he might be taking over this backfield? I don't know. I mean, this backfield's sort of a mess. I mean, it obviously is. Booker has looked better than C.J. Anderson, who I'm sad about him being a bust this year. Uh, pretty much been riding pine for me uh, on season-long teams the last few weeks. The one thing I, I, I like and I sort of noticed about C.J. Anderson is he's a really cerebral guy, really emotional dude who um, sort of always takes responsibilities for his shortcomings on the field. I mean, I just think something that's a great trait. I think he is still talented. I just can't really use him for DFS purposes, but um, – I wouldn't be surprised, you know, obviously they just fired, uh, you know, Mike McCoy and uh, maybe he gets involved a little bit, gets a little bit more uh, share of the carries. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders did not stopping anybody on the ground right now. Deion Lewis had 10 for 60 and four catches last week. Kenyon Drake had nine for 69 and six catches the week before. And Damian Williams. Who? Kenyon Drake. So bad. Yeah. Damian oh, Williams Damian Williams had six catches in the touchdown in the same game. Uh, LaShawn McCoy had 27 from 151 in the week before that. So that's three weeks in a row that they've given up a lot of yards, a lot of catches out of the backfield. Um, I just wish there was someone in this Detroit or, or sorry, Denver backfield that I could play or trust. I, I just, I think Booker 5,500 is the only guy that I would remotely consider. And I don't think he'll be high percentage. I think everybody's away from this backfield. I think he might be a little bit sneaky this week. Yeah. And then, you know, you want to talk about sneaky and you might call it crazy, but um, we're going to see Paxton Lynch here. And um, I think he actually might be a sneaky play here against the league's most burnable secondary. Is he um, is he definitely playing this week? Uh, as of now, that's what I hear what's going on. Um, Interesting. I think a lot of Denver fans were, were fat, you know, were sad to see him go on IR. And uh, if he plays, man, I, I, I'm interested in him here. Yeah, possibly a GPP stack. It's weird because I, I like Demarius Thomas, but only if Brock Osweiler would be the one playing quarterback because Brock th- just targets in on him. He has 29 targets the last three weeks. He scored touchdowns the last three weeks after his long, um, very publicized touchdown drought. You know, could be a nice script for, for, for DT, especially if they're behind. The Raiders can't stop anybody. You know, Brandon Cooks went nuts against them last week. They have six touchdowns wide receivers the last four weeks. So, I do like the Denver uh, the Denver receivers a little bit in this in this setup as an underdog, maybe trailing late on the road. But 
if they have a rookie quarterback, that's kind of tough to trust all of a sudden. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so so Paxton Lynch is starting, and um, I think you know I, I usually build sort of three main teams on FanDuel. I want to build a little bit more this week because I want to have some exposure to different games and have a few game stacks. But one of the things I'm going to do this week, and uh, do not do this, I, I do not recommend it on your main lineups. But I'm going to—I've sort of been the uh, the cheap quarterback whisperer over the last month and a half or so, and so um, yeah, it's early in the week. But him with a little bit of Manuel Sanders, I could totally see him burning the secondary. I mean, they're playing cornerbacks who are now third string at this point. The Raiders are, and so I think for that reason alone, um, you know, these these games, these Denver Oakland games, usually aren't necessarily barn burners. But I could see this one going over the forty three five. How much is uh, is Lynch uh, on Fan? I believe he is a sixty-two hundred. All right, so pretty cheap for a quarterback. I was just looking at, I was looking at the slate. the The three hundred thirty-three, three hundred thirty-three dollar entry this week is called the Gobble Monster. Interesting. May have to uh, jump in there because uh, the, the gut likes to gobble. <laughs> Very nice. What about on the Raiders side of the ball? You know, we always uh, most of the season we've avoided receivers against the Broncos, quarterbacks against the Broncos, but they've shown some cracks in the past. The AJ Green had a touchdown last week. Jeff Erickson's brother had a uh, touchdown also for uh, for the Bengals. Uh, oh. Al- Alshon Jeffrey had two touchdowns in Week Nine. So you know they've shown a few cracks lately in the past. E. Uh, Crabtree had 11 targets last week. Cooper's been very active. Amari Cooper, that is. 26 targets last three weeks. Are you going to jump in the Crabtree Cooper uh, at, at 7,000 and under this week at all? I don't know. I do think the Raiders bounce back. The, this offense bounces back a little after last week's dud. Um, I don't know. I, I don't like this offense right now. I know. I know. I'm a little bit more forgiving. Um, you know, <laughs> in, 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 in general in life, you really are. Yeah, pretty much. But no, this team, I mean, this Broncos team, shockingly, they have allowed the most passing touchdowns on the season. And I think they're like 17th in yardage allowed. That's but, wild. Um, yeah, tied with Houston, with the Houston Texas, uh, Texans for the most uh, most passing touchdowns allowed. Um, and I think it's been also well documented, um, you know, how, you know, bad, sorry, how good opposing tight ends have been against him. I think for that reason, Jared Cook is interesting to me a little bit off the radar um, after, you know, last week not coming through. Um, so I don't know for me, uh, Jared Cook, possibly a little crab tree if I'm playing in cash, but with only one cash game lineup, I'm probably not going to play a, uh, uh, an Oakland Raider, you know, receiver against Denver. And then also if you look back at the box scores and this, and this is just off memory, I think Cooper and Crabtree are averaging like, 50 yards max a game against them over the last few seasons. Yeah, so at those prices, I'd probably stay away too. Uh, what about on the uh, quick on the Broncos side, real quick? Emmanuel Sanders is only 6,300. He was really bad last week, but uh, he did have eight targets, only two catches. Seems like a little bit of a sneaky low percentage guy, but again, the Paxton Lynch thing scares me a little bit. He was six for 137 the week before at 6,300. He's a little bit interesting, but uh, like I said, the quarterback situation is a little scary. Oh, yeah. I, I said it earlier. I was probably sorry. I was talking a little fast, but I'm going to have a Lynch uh, Sanders team for sure. Oh, nice. All right. Well, uh, that's good. Uh, yeah, I like DT a little more, I think. But uh, Sanders at 6300 is intriguing. Uh, last game of the day, another um, another big spread. The Steelers are favored by 14 over the, the suddenly inept Green Bay Packers. Uh, losing Aaron Rodgers apparently is a bad thing for your team. <laughs> uh, on the Green Bay side of the ball, 
they're obviously big underdogs, so could be a good game script for the passing game. Uh, Brett Hundley has been pretty bad, so I'm not going to touch there. But the one guy that's interesting is Devontae Adams. He's only 6,600. He's the only guy kind of doing anything with Hundley. He's been really good. He has 28 targets last three weeks. He was 90 and a touchdown two weeks ago, or last week, and then 8 for 126 uh, last week. So the last two weeks, he's been really good. Um, surprisingly, Pittsburgh had not given up over 60 yards to receiver uh, through about seven weeks. In the last three weeks, they've given up a 100-yard receiver each of the weeks. Rashard Matthews, Chester Rogers, and Marvin Jones. So um, after not giving up anything all year, Pittsburgh's kind of showing a little bit of cracks there. And if they get way ahead, I wonder if Devontae Adams might uh, get a lot of targets. Oh, just a quick side note for uh, season-long uh, players with uh, deep benches just uh if you have the room and, and there aren't guys like you know p ryan or, or other very obvious standout plays just uh you know grab yourself some chester rogers um i think i think he's somebody to, to potentially have on your team if you have a deep team um for the packers i feel like it's just going to be tough sledding uh for the offense here the 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 implied total of 13.8 at the moment is actually Oof. the lowest on the board even lower than the browns that's so, ugly yeah i mean Honestly, Adams would probably might be my preferred target if I took anyone here. Um, he does have that sort of rapport with Hundley, like you mentioned. Um, you know, basically equates to over the last two games over 100 receiving yards uh, per game if you average the two. So, um, yeah, man, it's just really sad to see. Um, I, I, I actually was in my closet the other day and I forgot that I actually <laughs> own one football jersey, and it's Jordy, and I haven't busted it out. How how did you forget that? We all know you have a Jordy Nelson jersey. I, I just forgot. Maybe it's because Aaron Rodgers hasn't been around. I haven't worn my you know football jersey all year. But um, by the way, to that the wasn't years, uh, that. I, I, what about your Jerry Rice jersey? I've seen you wear that one around. My Jerry, I don't have a Jerry Rice. <laughs> I had a, I had a, I had a Juice. Oh, that's a joke. I had a Deuce McAllister one, but it was a fake. Deuce Mc, wait, it's fake. Would you buy it from overseas somewhere? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, it's like a fake uh, Chanel for the ladies. No, 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 like <laughs> a, a replica. You know. Uh, I understand. One of the cheap ones you get at Marshalls. I uh, I got you. There's not a lot of Deuce McAllister jerseys at Marshalls usually. No, no, no. But this is like ten years ago. <laughs> you should have bought a Joe Horn jersey. I love that dude. <laughs> what so, about the uh, the Steelers side? This is always tough for me. Um, I think it's always fun whenever the Steelers play in the primetime slot. Um, and unfortunately, this game just isn't going to be the same without Aaron Rodgers. And it's kind of that actual, you know, that weekly Brown versus Bell debate um, because it really is tough to pay up for both of them. Um, this one I actually hit on last week on my Thursday lineups, um, you know, over, uh, over on DraftKings, I went full Brown and pretty Oof. much faded bell. Um, and I think we already sort of discussed the problems with bell and sort of his inefficiency, but, um, I, I mean, I don't know. He, he's expensive this week, but, um, you know, 14 point favorites, hard not to imagine him getting a heavy workload again, especially if they're holding a significant lead. I almost might have a little bit of Bell defensively, um, but on my main teams, I'm probably going to go with Gurley and some of these other guys here. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way too, but I'm a little hesitant to go away from Bell. I mean, I just think the volume is huge, but you know, as a lesson for future players, don't skip training camp. It actually matters, and you might uh, you might struggle if you decide to skip it for no reason. Um, mm-hmm. He just the, the inefficiency is just concerning. But you know, if he gets 36 carries, suddenly that effic- inefficiency doesn't matter if he scores twice and you know he goes huge. But 9400 is a big price, but uh, it's gonna be hard to watch that Sunday night game without some Steelers. So, uh, who do you take from this offense if you don't go with Bell? Uh, I'm pretty much going to go with the Pittsburgh defense here. I think they're priced way too nicely um, at 4,900, 4,800 actually, I believe. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that'll sort of be my exposure. I think I'm, I think, you know, this is going to be a lower scoring game, a grinded out game. 
you know, if Le'Veon Bell ends up uh, scoring three touchdowns, so be it. Um, probably not going to be winning this week, but um, that's just sort of my lean. Um, so that, and then also um, simply because Juju Smith-Schuster is dealing with a hamstring injury, even though Mike Tomlin said, said that it is minor, um, I think for that reason alone, I might go a little sneaky uh, GPP pivot with a little bit of Martavis Bryant. Oh, busted it old school. Yeah, man. I just something about him, just some sort of feeling that I have that if Juju isn't at full strength, we'll see a little bit more of Martavis. Um, you know, nine targets over the last two weeks. Obviously, nothing spectacular. Um, hasn't topped 45 yards in those, you know, in the last two games. Really only has one good game on the season. Um, you know, obviously I had those issues as well, but somebody I'm just sort of looking at sort of sneaky late night hammer exposure. Yeah. If Juju doesn't play, I'm definitely going to go there. I think if Juju plays it's hard to do, but it kind of feels like Pittsburgh wants him to get a couple big plays. It feels like they really want Martavis involved. And for that reason, I will have him, and, uh, perhaps we can all have him and win some money together. I would, uh, I would like to see that. So let's quickly uh, wrap it up here. Um, starting at quarterback, uh, my tough overall play this week is your boy, Russell Wilson, I think the Niners keep it close enough for him to be really big this week. Yeah, I think the fact that this game is in San Francisco and just, you know, crazy stuff sort of seems to happen. Um, Russell Wilson is actually my top overall play as well. Very close to that is Matt Ryan, but I've sort of got Matt Ryan and Mariota listed as my favorite uh, mid-range sort of cheapish guys. Yeah, Mariota's kind of my mid-range guy too. You know, he's looked a little bit better the last couple weeks, 264 and 305 yards passing. Finally has all his weapons uh, healthy. Did have four picks last game, but uh, obviously doesn't hurt us much in fantasy. He does in real football. Um, the, the weird thing with Mariota, under 10 yards rushing in four of his last five games, he's really not, that dynamic part of his game is not coming forward. What about a fade for you? Um, I think, you know, for me in these, uh, you know, Brady and Wentz at 9,100 and 8,900, um, I think just for the price and the fact that, you know, these games could get out of hand early, I think those two are, are sort of my fades. How about yourself? I think mine is Ben Roethlisberger. I just think that in that low-scoring game with them as a big favorite, I think Green Bay is going to have a really hard time scoring a lot of points in that game. Uh, I just think that I think the Steelers shut it down the second half, and I just I don't I don't want a half of Ben at the price. Sneaky low percentage play for me. Uh, I mentioned him earlier. Uh, call me nuts. Paxton Lynch. And then if he plays, I like Tara Taylor, and I really like that Kansas City-Buffalo game. I like uh, I like Jacoby Brissett a little bit. He's been sneakily uh, pretty decent as a as a player the last uh, last few weeks. I think in a game against Tennessee that might be uh, one of those sticky games that actually does go over the number. I think there could be uh, more points in that game that people think. I think that gets to about fifty in total. I think Jacoby Brissett might hit T. Y. Hilton a couple times, and uh, not a not a cash game play, but a couple uh, GPPs. I'll probably throw some Brissett in there. Yeah, and I think he was dealing with uh, just red not too early, uh, not too long ago, something with a concussion. But I believe he'll be cleared and should be go, good to go. Yeah, I think I think it'll be all right. Uh, what about running back? Uh, my top overall play kind of have two guys. I really like Todd Gurley. I really like Kareem Hunt. I like Mark Ingram too. I think I'm going to have two of those three. I'm going to try and uh, try and get them into a lot of lineups. So this is scary so far, and as I think most people most people realize that uh, Scott and I never even share any part of. Uh, of what we're going to talk about before we do, um, other than just knowing the games that we're going to discuss. Um, yeah, my top overall play as well is Todd Gurley. Ta- uh, Kareem Hunt, I'll consider him a mid-range play, so I've got him down as my top mid-range play. Gurley and Hunt for me, most of my lineups, sounds chalky, but that's where I'm at on this uh, Tuesday. 7,700 mid-range play is kind of cheating. It is? Yeah, I think so. 
Okay, uh, Hyde then. Car- <laughs> My, Carlos Hyde. Mine's probably Carlos Hyde too. I'll, I'll, I'll let you off the hook Ooh. for that one. I think Hyde's interesting. I think the volume's there. Um, you know, I didn't like a lot of guys in the 6,000s this week, but uh, if I had to play one, it'd probably be Hyde, but I'm going to try and go with some higher guys. On the cheap side, I mentioned earlier, I like Devontae Booker. I like the game script in this one. I like um, going against the Raiders. I like that uh, he's he outsnapped and outtouched uh, C.J. Anderson last week. I think if I go cheap, it's going to be Devontae Booker. Yeah, he's real cheap there at 5,500. Yeah, for me, um, I'm really not going to go cheap. I know obviously there's a couple guys that could explode. I'm not taking as many chances here. But uh, uh, a guy I guess so more so for full PPR site is is J.D. McKissick. And uh, simply because, you know, he who shall not be named who used to be a Packer and is a running back (laughs) is horrible. We want no part of him. Rawls was inactive last week. He'll probably be active this week since Mike Davis is probably out. And, um, yeah, I mean, just I'm just thinking McKissick is going to hit a big play one of these weeks. This is a good spot to do it against uh, the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, I've watched a lot of Seahawks games, and uh, McKissick seems like the only guy to me that has a little bit of a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, beast in his game. He does make some big plays. He hits the hole the wrong way sometimes, but he's the one guy who feels a little bit explosive to me out of that whole backfield. Fade wise, again, this is, um, you know, always crazy. I seem to be. You know, I guess if there's any any year to to be doing this, it is this year. But it's Le'Veon Bell, so I'm going to be fading Le'Veon Bell to a degree. I'm going to have uh, some defensive GPP shares. Yeah, I think mine this week is going to be LaShawn McCoy. I think at 8,300, I just like other guys more. I love Shady as a player, one of my favorite guys. But um, I worry about a little bit about the game script. I worry if they get behind, you know, he's not going to run the ball. He will catch some passes. But in a half-point PPR, I think I'm going to be away from Shady this week. And I just other guys I like in the range more makes him a fade for me. And on the sneaky low percentage side, not going to have a lot of these guys. Um, and I don't think Deion Lewis is going to be necessarily uh, sneaky, um, especially in that game script. But for me, it's Rex Burkhead, um, simply a last week's chalk bum play of yep. this week. Yeah, funny. I had Deion Lewis in that spot. I, I don't like New England running backs, and I'm probably not going to play very much of him. But um, I think he's active enough and involved, and Burkhead fumbled last week, that uh, in a game where they're big favorites, he could get a lot of, a lot of work in the second half. Wide receiver, your top overall play, sir. Um, they're both a little bit chalky, but I love Julio Jones and Brandon Cooks. But I, I really like Mike Evans and Doug Baldwin this week as guys that will be our studs, but will be lower percentage based on everybody liking Jones and Cooks. This is crazy, man. Either we're going to be uh, winning all the money or giving away all the money. But uh, <laughs> Julio, Baldwin, and then Evans I have in uh, sort of my, my, my third guy. Those are the three guys that I want to mix and match this week at the top. My my top mid range play was Demarius Thomas, but now that Paxton Lynch is playing, I'm I'm a little less uh, eager on that one. I really liked how much Osweiler was forcing the ball to Demarius Thomas, but um, nobody in the mid range that uh, that I really love this week. I'm kind of a, a high uh, overall a high price guy and low price guys together. Yeah, if I'm to go somebody in mid range, and I might be cheating here, but uh, T Y Hilton, I believe he's 7500 this yep. week. Um, yeah, does that count? Is that uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give that to you. That's all right. Uh, all right, cool. That and then Emmanuel Sanders at 6,300. Those are my two mid-range plays. My uh, my favorite cheap play is a guy that we disagreed on pretty vehemently is Nelson Aguilar. I really like him under 6,000 this week. I think that uh, I think in a GPP, he's going to uh, make a big play and, and make some money for some people. I also like Corey Coleman. I really like how well he played against Jacksonville last week in, in a really tough spot. Um, I think in a game where they're going to be trailing against the Bengals, I think he could uh, get, get some volume, which is all you could really want at that price. Yeah, for me, my cheap plays, uh, uh, Cooper Cup and Corey Davis, um, and obviously that's uh, going to be sort of chalky, um, you know, to a degree, but I think people that are wanting to get in, you know, that girly, having exposure to, uh, you know, that Saints 
Rams game, um, trying to get some Julio in there um, and, and paying up for running back they're, uh, or for quarterback, they're going to have to get one of these two guys in from their lineups. Yeah, it's an interesting week at wide receiver. I think there's so many guys between like 7,300 and 8,000 that we're going to have to pick from. It's going to be uh, which of the which, who nails those uh, those guys is really going to win a lot of money this week. And on the fade side for me, I think, uh, you know, Sammy Watkins, if uh, if Lattimore does suit up for the Saints and then uh, a guy I, I love to play almost every week. But for me this week, he's a fade is Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, mine is Antonio Brown, kind of same reason as with Roethlisberger. I just don't think Green Bay can score enough for them to stay active the whole game. Um, and at 9,600, I don't want a half of Antonio Brown. Um, even he's awesome. He could score twice and a half. But if I'm going to pay up for that much, I want a guy that I think is going to be really involved the whole game. On the sneaky low percentage side, I like Nelson Aguilar. I mentioned that. I wonder also on Tyreek Hill. We talked about so many guys in the 7,000 range. I wonder mm-hmm. if Tyreek might sneak through this week. Hasn't uh, hasn't been quite as explosive as he was last year, and I think that uh, Kansas City is going to make sure to get him the ball this week. Yeah, and I do have Antonio Brown listed as a, as a tiny bit of a fade as well. It's just that price tag is so much. We obviously know how much Antonio Brown loves to play in these uh, these primetime spots, uh, but you know, hoping after that three-touchdown game that everybody sort of jumps back to him. Uh, and then I already have a nice big lead with um, my guys who put up work in the uh, in, in the earlier games. And I can just sort of rely on a little bit of Boswell and some Pittsburgh defense to uh, to get my points. Yeah, I hope I hope to uh, I hope to have a nice, uh, nice lead going into those games. where I don't have Antonio Brown. That's gonna be a, a hard game to watch if you don't have Brown or Bell. Yeah, luckily I will be at dinner and not watching that game. So it's even more reason to fade. Uh, and then my sneaky low percentage play um, again, I mentioned him just sort of a gut play. Um, which I do nail every once in a while, uh, Martavis Bryant, and this depends upon uh, Juju Smith-Schuster's health. Uh, understood. What about uh, tight end? I actually like uh, I like Delaney Walker as my type, my top mid-range slash cheap and overall play this week. I'm all in on Delaney this week. I like it. I like it. I think um, you're going to get me in on him a little bit because I do trust and respect you, uh, Jared well, Cook. Is at my- least, <laughs> at least trust. <laughs> At least publicly, right? <laughs> yeah, mean, exactly. You know, behind the scenes, who really knows what goes on with us? But uh, yeah, top mid range play, cheap play. Jared Cook, uh, really like the matchup for him. Think he uh, you know, gives me some exposure to those, you know, those afternoon games. Is sort of under the radar. Um, but yeah, I think my top overall play this week is Gronk. Going to be tough to fit him in. We'll probably get him in in the lineup somewhere. I'm always afraid of these games. I'm sort of getting away and them not having to rely on him. But Miami is weak against the tight end. Could be a nice little spot for him to feast. And then sneaky low percentage uh, for me, um, you know, it really only depends if I'm, you know, if I'm building 10 or more lineups, that's going to be Charles Clay and possibly some of that rookie baby Gronk, uh, Adam Shaheen. Wow. Look at you, Adam Shaheen. He had a nice touchdown catch last week. Um, for my low percentage, I think uh, I like Tyler Croft a little bit going against uh, going against the Browns. Caught a touchdown last week, but uh, I think the Delaney will be low percentage enough. I think a lot of people will go to Gronk. I think a lot of people will go to Kelsey and Ertz. I think uh, I think Delaney could uh, could sneak in in low percent. And uh, like I said, I love Delaney this week. Uh, one of my favorite plays. And then there on defense, my top overall play. I'm going to pay down a little bit. It's going to be the Steelers. Um, that's sort of going to be my exposure to the late night hammer. Um, and then. You know, as far as a cheap play, it really sort of tough at this point. I mean, you know, kind of like the you know Panthers aren't cheap. I mean, obviously they I think they're like the fourth or fifth highest, ex- uh, most expensive. But I think Arizona, um, the at home, a bit sneaky against Blake Bortles this week. Hmm. All right, I could uh, I could see that. Uh, I like Pittsburgh. Also, I also like Cincinnati. Those are probably my two favorite player defense. Don't really have a fade this week. Uh, I never fade Jacksonville. They're just so good. But at fifty five hundred, I will probably go with Pittsburgh and Cincinnati in most spots instead of them. 
And then just real quick at the end here, uh, kicker-wise, I'm looking at Matt Bryant. Oh, love Matt Bryant this week. Excellent. Chris Boswell and a little bit of Willie Lutz. I like uh, Matt Bryant and Harrison Butker. Always down for some Butker. Yeah, that sounded sounded really bad. (laughs) It's a great way to end the podcast. Beautiful. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope everybody has a great holiday week. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy the three-day three-game slate on Thanksgiving. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Rotowire NFL DFS podcast sponsored by FanDuel. We will be back at you next week. Everybody take care and have a great week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.